five elements of letting go, discussing mental health openly and freely, and sharing tools and techniques. Welcome, everyone, to the Five Elements Letting Go. I'm Dr. Jared McCollum, and today I'm here with Todd Mraz. Good evening, Jared. All right. And uh, those that are um, a part of the shaman tribe will recognize both of us. Uh, Those that don't know what the shaman tribe is, it is a monthly group that meets here at our clinic, and Todd and I kind of hang out with a group of about 10 or 12 men, and we talk about our feelings we talk about meditation we todd runs us through a meditation at the end of each night Uh, we've done some qigong we've done some breath work and we just talk about um you know how to kind of survive this modern world and (laughs) how to kind of uh connect with one another and and build some friendships and it's been going pretty good yeah i would agree jared it's uh it's been really impactful i i've i've really had some good moments at it to be honest with you i've I've learned a lot from from hearing what the gentlemen have to say at the at the sessions um i've been really really enjoying the fact that so many of them have been so open about uh where they're at and how they feel in their situations in life and and as guys that's that's not an easy skill to come by it's not an easy place to practice uh in our day-to-day because we don't you know, we don't feel safe because we were taught a whole different element to mm-hmm. be the tough guy, be don't, don't, you know, don't be a wussy and all these kind of avenues like this. Yeah. And um, so I, I just, I'm really enjoying the openness because I think it's something that for myself, I crave as a, as a man, as a person. And, you know, I've always been told I'm sensitive and, and, you know, and all this and, you know, you cry like a little girl. Sometimes I've had, I've had partners <laughs> tell me that friends tell me that. And, and so I kept all this inside. And for a lot of years, it was coming out as rage. And, and I've noticed that as I've started my own path, and the shaman tribe is part of that path is, uh, is that I'm starting to really relax, like really come into my moment, I've noticed a change in my musical taste, like songs that I listened to for 25 years that used to pump me up and get me invigorated are now, they don't call to me. Hmm. I'm listening to a much different, different genre of music. It's not even a change of listening to the B sides of the old bands and yeah. singers and stuff. It's <laughs> totally different. Like my wife the other day said, what are you listening to? So well, you don't like it. And she said, no, I like it. I'm just surprised you're listening. to it. <laughs> <laughs> So it was, you know, I, I've noticed a change in myself, but I yeah. get off topic. But yeah. yes, the Shaman Tribe has been really good. I've enjoyed the experience. And like I say, the fact that we're getting a very mixed group of uh, gentlemen showing mm-hmm. up yeah. and opening up, um, it's it's quite it's quite motivating. Yeah, I was because I thought we would have um, I thought we'd have to work a little harder to get them to share and open up. And I'm pleasantly surprised that it and from some of the comments too it's just a lot of them really wanted a space where they could be open and honest and share things and this is that place finally like you said that you know we're taught as young men to not be emotional not talk about our feelings not you know share them and that anger again comes from so anger is caused by injustice so men who are 
really stuck with their emotions, really stressed out or, you know, lots going on. And that anger comes from because we can't share it, or at least we feel that way, or no one will listen or no one will understand. Or if I do, I'll get made fun of or I'll get teased or whatever. And that our body and our spirits know that's wrong and that's off. And so we feel that frustration and anger because we know it's not right. And we want it to be different. We want to be able to have those spaces and that, that openness and freedom to be honest with how we're feeling and what's going on. And it's really cool to see these guys embrace that so easily. You definitely see that uh, they were ready <laughs> for something like this. Yeah. And I really appreciate their honesty and their um, vulnerability to really open up and share some of this stuff because it confirms that we're on the right path, but also that, hey, you know, uh, it feels really good to be in that space with them and to share these things and, you know, get that uh, reinforcement that, oh, yeah, yeah, this is what we need and we are, you know, uh, we are on the right path on providing this space and inviting them to join us. So I I feel really good about it. Yeah, as do I. Um, you know, it's funny even looking outside of the of the tribe that we we have here. Um, like I work in a corporate environment uh, downtown in Calgary, and um, it's funny because as we came out of COVID, now you're starting to see people, and you're talking to people that you haven't talked to in a few years. So people's lives have changed. Some of them have gotten married, or they've had kids, or their kids are you know graduating or moved out. Like there's been a lot of life change in the last three years. And, um, people ask me what I've been up to and I'm, you know, I'm just, well, (laughs) you're ready for this. Hold on kids. Uh, so I tell them a little bit about my journey and about how, you know, how I've gone through changes myself as a person. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, not getting into my whole story, but a lot of it had to do with trying to heal some traumas and stuff like this and trying to open up because I I could feel it in me and I needed to express it, but I just never knew how or when or, you know, to whom. And it got, like I said earlier, it got to the point where I would just, you know, it would just hit, hit a certain head pressure and boom and explode and whoever was around was going to feel that yeah and it had nothing to do with you or her or them or it was just bang and i would just lose my my cool or whatever happened i mean i wasn't violent or nothing but you know i would get nasty i'd Mm -hmm. say verbal things and i might even punch a wall like you know maybe i was a little violent (laughs) (laughs) but i never hit anybody i never hurt anybody maybe emotionally but not physically um But it's funny as I talk to people and I tell them about, you know, how my view of life has changed in this space and how getting in touch with my own soul and my own spirit has really opened me up to see that there's more to the world than money, title, you know, the house you live in, the car you drive and all these things that that Western society feels is that's how you made it. That's the sign of Mm -hmm. success. That's the sign of happiness. And for me, I'm starting to realize, like, don't get me wrong, I need money, I need a car, I need a house. We need these things, some of them to live, but it's not a sign of success and happiness. It's nice to have. It's great. I love having money. I go on wellness retreats with my money, Mm -hmm. right? So I I do things that that serve me now with my money. And um, I tell people this, and it's funny how they're starting to come around. People are like, 
you know, I've been really thinking about that myself and how I wanted to be a vice president of the business unit or some thing. And now I'm just, I'm just happy that I'm going home every day at five o'clock to spend time with my family and, yeah. and I'm watching my daughter get older, whatever their stories are. And, and the last thing they always say to me, this is in a period of five to 10 minutes. And the last thing they say to me is, I'm going to book a coffee with you. I want to understand this more. Yeah, I want to hear about this kind of thing, the shaman tribe, where guys can be open and and trusting with <laughs> each other, and not, yeah. you know, not walking around with, you know, I mean, us guys, like, what what's what did you do before you learned this? Well, you hang out with your buddy. Uh, you might, you know, if if you're a drinker, you might have a, a case of beer. You watch the game. Buddy goes home, uh, but God forbid you say, you know, me and my wife have been having a struggle, or you know, I yeah. can't figure out how why my kid is you know, doing this or that at school or whatever your stories are. And, and this shaman tribe, I'm finding that people are actually, that's, we are having that conversation. It's not centered around, Oh, let's go, let's go have a party at the game or let's, you know, like it's, it's actually a deep rooted thing where you can have meaningful conversations mm -hmm. and, and really feel them. And I think what, what's really cool is, you know, uh, working, working alongside with you is, is, um, I'm seeing that, that somebody with, you know, you've been around this for a long time working as, you know, within acupuncture and Chinese medicine and shamanism. And, and I'm seeing that, you know what, people can live like this and they can be very happy people. You're one mm. of the happiest people I've ever met. <laughs> um, well, you are, you're easy, yeah. go lucky, you're good. At it. I got a pretty good life. I, it's, it makes it easy. Right. And, and you love it. <laughs> yeah. So it's not just yeah. some little facade that you put on. Like yeah. it, it's authentically real. Yeah. And I think as we come into our authentic selves as people, um, we start learning things about ourselves. And I think that for, you know, 45 or so years for myself, um, I was hiding that part of myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to come into it and I'm starting to learn these things. You know, I would just watch this really amazing documentary called uh, Sensitive, um, The Untold Story. It's, mm. And it's based off a book. I could, I could uh, just quickly look it up here in a minute, but... Um, so there's a psychologist and she's, she's a well-known psychologist. She's written books, all this other stuff. And, um, and she always had this, this, you know, this morbid fear of water. She, she could never learn how to swim. Her parents thought something was wrong with her and she always experienced her senses very deeply and didn't quite understand why. So as a practicing psychologist, she started delving into these things and she's, you know, they started looking, well, is, is it autism? Is it Asperger's? Is it all these things? And as they started realizing it, it was none of those things. It was a very highly sensitive amygdala within the brain center. And the insulars within your brain that are carrying all those signals are very highly tuned towards towards your senses. And it could be noise. So, um, you know, you always hear about people like empaths don't like, you know, well, there's a certain amount of traits for an empath. I don't carry them all all the time. But, um, you know, like sensitivity to noise or lots of people. I mean, I... I I can't be around a lot of people for very long. I've learned how to protect my energy now, but for years I couldn't figure out why I'm walking down the aisleway in, a, in the mall and I walk past some person and my mood goes from happy to like depressed. Yeah. I couldn't figure out what's the matter with me. Like I thought I was unstable. And then I started realizing that I was picking this up from even family members. And I started coming to the realization that this isn't me my chemical imbalance or something. I'm, I'm 
getting some weird energy here. And at the time, I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And as I go down this path, I'm starting to understand it. So for me, when I look at our shaman tribe and I see what these uh, gentlemen are, are talking about in their openness, I'm seeing that, you know what, everybody's got a certain amount of sensitivity. In, in the documentary, they say one in five people, whether male or female, it's not distinctive. Mm -hmm. They've also found it in animals, children, all the above. You're born in this state of highly sensitive. And uh, I don't know that I'm that exactly. I, I, I don't like to put labels on things, but, uh, but I definitely sense that sensitivity. Sense that sensitivity. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, and, and it just... Um, as as I as I sort of lean into it, I'm realizing that that it's a bit of a almost a superpower for me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm I'm seeing the world through. It's like a new lease on life, and I think you know I think what I see out of our shaman tribe is people sharing and opening up and seeing things in their lives about themselves, and they're able to finally express it somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I know for myself, when I first started expressing myself, it was just to very close people. And they feel comfortable in this group. They're sharing quite a bit of their stories, maybe not their, you know, all their deepest, darkest secrets. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what I stressed at our last shaman thing is that as you practice being emotionally available, as you practice sharing your feelings, it does get easier mm -hmm. and it gets more powerful. Yeah. And I think you said it, it helps your relationships and it just, it's just, you know, it doesn't mean life is grand every minute of the day. Mm -hmm. Life can throw you a curveball and a challenge. Yeah. But as you start expressing yourself, rather than punching the hole in the wall, you actually like, I don't like this because, or, you know, there's this thing, you know, that is not working for me because, and mm -hmm. you start identifying things, it is getting easier. Yeah. Like my wife asked me, um, she's asked me many times throughout our marriage, and she said, what are you feeling? I said, I don't know. It's like, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> That's very common for men. Right? Yeah, yeah, it is. So, you know, and I'm starting to identify feelings and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's empowering. Yeah. Like I got, I just, it's not always happy roses. I'm not gonna, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It can yeah. be, you know, some of the feelings we have as people it can be a little dark and yeah. scary. Well, it's that, you know, about embracing and accepting yourself. And, and all your feelings, all your past, you know, who you are, when we can embrace and accept that part and be honest with it, then we do, there is this big shift that happens. Mm -hmm. So instead of us trying to fulfill this role or this ideal of what a man's supposed to be and where we're supposed to be, you know, not only how we're supposed to act and appear to everyone, but where we're supposed to end up with lots of money and success and all of those things, like that's exhausting being in that state constantly of, okay, oh no, don't say that. Because if you say that you look or sound gay or, you know, that used to be the thing we would say in the nineties, the yeah. early two thousands. Yeah. If you do anything like that, well, that's gay. And you know, I've, <laughs> I have gay sons and my best friends are gay and it's, you know, now realizing what we're saying and these terrible things, but that, you know, it's, and that's embedded deeply in our psyche as men, you know, growing up in our, in the last few generations, this idea of like, well, 
to reach this pinnacle and this expectation of what a man is. These are the things you cannot do, and this is the way you're supposed to act, and this is how your focus should be on the future and making lots of money and being successful, you know, with air quotes. And that constant stress on you in your mind and in your heart to be that and to achieve that distracts you so much from the moment and from your feelings and who you really are and who you should be, which is honest with who you are and and be your special self. But we're working so hard to ignore and bury those parts of ourselves to reach this supposed masculine ideal that is so distracting and so harmful. And, you know, we're just, and when we try to be what everyone expects us to be or what what culture says is this is the person, you know, women have that ideal and how they're supposed to look and, and act very feminine and men have it too. You know, mm-hmm. you're supposed to be big and strong and athletic and, um, you know, mm-hmm. very stoic and quiet and, you know, uh, when you're talking to everyone, but, you know, the rowdy wild guy at the party and in the sport, it's just we have this narrative and in shamanism we call it about we call it uh, uh domestication this idea that culture has domesticated us not only through how we're supposed to be as men as you know masculine men and all of this but we've bought into this expectation of how we are supposed to live as humans and it's really interesting i was watching this video the other day and it was talking about solar punk and it's just this way of viewing the future rather than a very negative view of the future where, you know, cyberpunk and this, you know, dystopian idea. Mm-hmm. It's this, hey, we can learn to live with nature and connect with it and do it with technology, but do it in a really helpful way. And so this aesthetic, this idea is called solar punk. Mm-hmm. And this uh, uh, researcher um, was giving a talk talking about how we need to use art and story to promote this concept to keep things going but it was very interesting how you know they were talking about um you know that uh they asked right away they asked all the the people uh what do you consider natural what's nature and just shout out some words and so they're shouting out like you know uh, you know, uh, photosynthesis, uh, you know, animals, uh, and all the, us, all these things they describe as natural and, and of nature. And then he's like, okay. And the, she's like, so what is unnatural? And so they listed off all these things right. and they all had one thing in common. Everything that was depicted as unnatural were all the things and the systems that men created like our systems of politics and capitalism and religion and all these things that we make are unnatural but yet we are of nature and i think we kind of think we're separate from nature or at least that's how we've been taught for so long right you know that we are above nature not part of nature and whether you think of it like the web of life or how we are you know, the children of God, and we 
are just you know made in his image so that being said anything other than us is not you know is less than it's us less. and so that disconnect you know where we don't see ourselves as nature and if we see that the things that we have made are unnatural okay what do we need to do to change so that the things that we create and the things that come from us are natural you know how can we create a world where we you know sink in with nature and that we allow nature to do its thing without trying to control it or damage it or destroy it and we've not only done this to the planet and but we've done it to ourselves in our psyche because when we teach ourselves that yeah you're not um a part of nature you're a consumer <laughs> <laughs> Your only purpose is to work and to consume. Right. And that's what capitalism teaches us. That's what our whole purpose in school is to learn how to be a producer and a consumer. And, you know, this way of living has really poisoned our minds and spirits to the point where we feel disconnected from nature. And we make and create things that um you know go against nature as we would say you know through that unnaturalness and i just love this idea of we need to tell better stories we need to use art we need to use uh you know movies and books and stories and songs to kind of push and change the narrative because the narrative for the last you know I don't know where it really started, but from what I remember as a kid, everything was very dystopian. 1984, uh, you know, um, The Terminator, Matrix, you know, all these stories, uh, uh, cyberpunk, uh, these these ideas that the future is going to be really bleak mm -hmm. and that we're going to fuck it up and it's going to be this dystopian nightmare and corporations run the world and that's all it is. And we fulfill those stories like whatever is the main narrative whatever is the conditioning or the dream that the world is written for us you know the collective consciousness here that's what happens and we have to quickly change this narrative and quickly change the story so that we're you know if things do shift and we're in that place where things have to change quickly we, we as a you know as a species chooses to reconnect with nature and not fight to grasp on to the <laughs> this this life we're in you know yeah. it's it's interesting like one more thing and I'll, I'll stop my rant That's but so i remember like since my parents they're very religious and you know every time something really chaotic happens in the world whether it's covid or wars or whatever it's almost like they get a little giddy because to them, this is a, a sign of the times that Christ is going to come and return and save all us. And so right. they want the chaos. They want, that's what's going on in Israel right now. I talked to one of my Jewish patients. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is, and like, oh, they just want the second coming. And they think creating all the, like, because all these things are supposedly foretold to happen to lead up to this. And so they're pushing the narrative. They're pushing that story. Because they want to be right. They want, you know, this 
And I'm sorry, but there's no savior God for us. We got to do this ourselves. That's right. That's right. We, we, yeah, I'm, I mean, I guess to each their own and their belief systems. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm of the same belief. I'll say as you are, Jared, is that um, this this world's only going to be fixed by us coming as a collective, getting rid of some of that conditioning, some of those stories, some of that. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to poke too much fun at religion uh, or any fun actually, but uh, you know, I, I heard a little uh, joke, a little riddle joke uh, today, and it was, um, what. Name a book club that's hung up on one book. <laughs> the church. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was quite, it was quite funny actually. And, and it's, I mean, I know it's a bit of a dig, but, yeah. uh, but honestly, I've, I've done a little bit of study on that. I'm not a master by any yeah. means, but, uh, you know, uh, there's some interesting documentaries out there about this subject mm-hmm. and, you know, like the subject of Christianity really started as the Roman empire fell and Constantine, King Constantine tried to control things as any King would didn't want to lose his power and his empire, which stretched across, you know, half the known world or whatever it was. And, um, anyway, so he got all his scholars together and he came out after, you know, however long, I, I don't know the time period. So like I said, I'm not a master at it, but I know this, this was a, a series of events and he comes out and he basically addresses his kingdom and says, so there's one God, I'm the King. I'm born of the God kind of thing. I'm him and I are buddies mm-hmm. and we talk. And if you don't listen to me, you're all going to burn in hell. Basically is what he yeah. said. So me and my scholars who are now all bishops and all these other wonderful, you know, priest-like people they went from being scholars to priests mm-hmm. in, within a conversation yeah. behind closed doors and you know and, and what's even more sort of ridiculous and bizarre about the whole thing in that aspect is i was brought up catholic and and so you know of course you know i had strong catholic roots in in that space and um when i started reading about and understanding a little bit about the whole birth of this religious piece it was interesting because it was pointed out to me at that point that the Bible that you or people would read, you know, the one in the hotel bedroom or in the hotel drawer, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that, that written scripture is um, a mere sample of the amount of scriptures that they have sitting in Holy Rome in their yeah. little annex of, of libraries. And they have all sorts of um, gurus and, you know, um, maybe shaman, maybe whoever, yeah. uh, you know, sort of, I guess, wise people, the wise man on the mountain oracles or whatever they were. And these people wrote their own versions of certain stories in the Bible that never quite made it to the cut of the final version of the Bible yeah. as we would know it today. Um, you know, and, and I, I just, you know, the whole thing is really just a construct of control made by man to control man. Um, now that's not to say that I don't believe that a man like Jesus existed. I, I do believe a man like Jesus probably existed in time, and I believe he was a great man. He probably had, you know, some sort of telepathic abilities and was able to see things that most people didn't understand at that time. Do I think that what they wrote in the Bible is what he said? No. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> but I believe the man existed. Mm-hmm. 
I believe that, you know, uh, I believe that the Romans probably did crucify a guy named Jesus for doing things that were outside of what the Romans believed. Did I, did anyone expect it to turn into what it turned into the impact that he had on the world? Mm -hmm. Um, no, but I, you know, if you've ever read the power now by Eckhart Tolle, um, you know, he has a lot of references about Jesus in there and he has his own interpretation about what the stories meant and what his Mm -hmm. words meant. And they're a much fresher spin on what probably what Jesus meant rather than what our holy leaders would have us Mm -hmm. believe. Yeah. Well, you think about it, he was like a, you know, uh, he was a rebel. He was, uh, you know, going against the grain, telling everyone that, hey, anyone, everyone's the son of God, the daughter of God, because we're all God. You know, like this is what he was trying to teach. And that we can do that our own on our own and experience these things, and we don't need rabbis and all of this, and you know that's and you know we don't need that guru to experience spirit. We don't need an inner, you know, uh, someone to intercede for us with God or the universe or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I really want to continue to share and get out there to people is that you know you can experience these things on your own and the main thing that it shares with you that is common to everyone whether it's through meditation or it's through plant medicine or whatever there is this overwhelming sense of connection and peace and oneness from those experiences and it doesn't say that that feeling in that direction doesn't say anything about this is the right way to do it. This is there's a, only one way to to peace and you know after this life, uh, whether it's heaven or hell. There's no no f- discussion. There's no feeling or information on that. It doesn't matter who you talk to that has gone through these experiences time and time again. It's always a sense of peace, oneness, connection, love, and no one's getting any feedback that there's only one way to do it. And that comes from, like you said, that need to control and manipulate. Mm -hmm. And I really do think we need to, and again, we've been stuck in the same concepts of faith for, you know, a couple thousand years and people just kind of try to rehash those things rather than, hey, let's just get rid of all of it and make it this a personal experience. And you don't need anyone to help you feel it. And there's no dogma. There's no rules. It's just about living in balance with nature. That's right. And however that works out, because again, I don't believe that uh, there is, because uh, again, our when we look at morality, morality evolves as we do so what our morality was you know (laughs) a couple thousand years ago has changed a lot right we no longer think it's acceptable to have slaves and to beat our wives and to you know (laughs) do all these crazy things that were totally acceptable back then and as we evolve so does our morality and it will continue to change and to say that there's this black and white answer to everything there isn't. And as our understanding of the universe changes, our science changes and how we look at 
the universe changes and it will continue to change. So if there's anything that is going to be a constant in any, you know, faith or understanding of the universe is that everything changes. And so don't, we don't have to, and we shouldn't grasp onto any one particular path because our understanding of it will change. And when we create dogma and a certain expectation of how we should live or act, it, we, you know, it's chains to our, you know, like I, I love the, what is it? The, the traditions of the fathers are the chains of hell. Mm -hmm. And not that I believe in hell, because I think hell is a personal thing that we experience on in this planet right now. And when we get locked into those traditions that we don't understand or don't make sense or don't work for us, it's basically damning us and chaining us in the spot so we can't progress, we can't grow, we can't find ourselves and find that peace. So if anything, it's, hey, you know, go your own way. That's right. Because there's there's no answers to seek. You know, we don't have to have answers to everything. It's just how do we find peace now? That's right. Because that's the only thing that's really important. That's right. Because we don't know what's happening next. And as far as we can tell, there is no one's come back and told us who's right. (laughs) that's right and since morality changes (laughs) who knows what's going to be right or wrong in the end anyway so stop worrying about it you know let's just focus on those things that actually make us feel at peace and content in the moment and really focus on those things and again these are the the foundations of any faith right like treat others kindly you know, show love and appreciation, gratitude, serve others, um, you know, support your community. Like those are in all faiths and we all agree on these things, but if you don't worship the right Jesus or the right God, all of a sudden, all those other things don't mean anything anymore. And we're not, you know, accepting each other anyway. So, so messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, pull, pulling maybe a little further back from the, the spiritual piece or, or the God piece, if you will, uh, for the listeners is, um, coming more to the point, I think of what Jared was getting to was living in the moment yeah. and, um, in our hectic, crazy society and how we have been conditioned to what is important and being busy is important. Yeah. Everybody thou shalt be busy from 5 a.m. till you drop into bed at 10 p.m. and that's how it is and if you're not busy you don't know what to do with yourself you literally sit there feeling anxious yeah Yeah. because idle hands are the work of the devil right and there's there's a condition right there and we're told you know uh don't be lazy work hard you know and there was a necessity for that at times right but that necessity is changed and like we don't have to work all the time and luckily, we we live in a life. And, and again, the more we desire, the more we cling to, the harder we have to work, right? So letting go of some of those things helps us to slow yeah. down, too. Letting go of that lack, right? Yeah. Because you... Uh, you be the royal you. Um, all of us have this, have this feeling that that desire, now we're lacking something. 
we're looking at our, our neighbor and he got a new car or we're looking at, you know, this situation and it's not as good as us. And we feel that we're somehow don't measure up to, to what the norm or what the Mm -hmm. expected new norm is. And this is not morality. This is literally us placing a price tag on our happiness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, I, I, I really, you know, I've really been learning a lot about lack lately as, uh, in my own career through, through some changes I'm trying to make in my role. And, um, I, I, you know, what? kind of, like I say, coming back to that moment thing, it's, it's so critical for us to, to find that time. Now we're not saying, um, that when you're at work, don't work hard, Mm -hmm. give it your all. Yeah. Go, go, you know, go to the, you know, the end of the field and back 10 times, like you're doing man makers at at hockey practice or football practice or whatever. Um, like work, work your ass off be the best you can be always put put forth the best you can for that day and if tomorrow's not quite as good be gentle to yourself yeah. and that's okay yeah. we're we're, yeah. we're human mm-hmm. we're not robots yeah and then that so when you're working work have your mind in that moment exactly. so you can focus on that because a lot of what happens is again our mind is so distracted and all these other things that because there's that physical exhaustion and there's the mental exhaustion. And when your mind is not in the moment, that mental exhaustion wears down the physical body much faster. Very fast. So when we're doing something, you know, it's at work, we're, we're doing our job, we're focused on that. When we're having a conversation with someone, we're in the moment. We're not thinking ahead of what to say or wanting to be somewhere else or, you know, distracted in our mind. Because it always reminds me of that, um, you know, that story. And if you've had kids, you've experienced this of where you're talking to another adult and your kid comes up and they're like, mom, 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 or dad, 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 or you're on the phone or you're whatever, right? And the kid comes up and they're like, and sometimes you're not even talking to someone else. You're just in your head dealing with your shit. And a lot of times that's what it is. You're in your head, you're distracted, your kids come up. You know, dad, 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 dad. And then finally you're like, what? And your kid's like, I love you. Like, right. you know, I, and all they see is that we're upset and they just want to say hello and connect with us. But in our heads, we're stressing about all those things we got to do and all the stress at work or, you know, paying the bills, all these things. And our brain is not in the moment, but our body is. And then we come out of that future or out of that stressful memory into the moment and then we display those emotions in our head to our kid and it just breaks their heart and whether that's your children or your spouse or whatever when we're in our head too much whatever emotion we're feeling as soon as we come out of that that's what's in our body at that time right and a lot of times that's like you know especially kids it's so hard (laughs) when we do that to them because then they're just like oh you know, I'm not important or right. they're not paying attention to me or whatever. You know, there are definitely times where kids can be a little annoying, but <laughs> still that when we take that feeling and, you know, place it on them after that, it happens a lot with the relationships when we're in our head too much. And then that just takes, again, more energy, it takes us away from the moment, really join those things. Like we have a little sign up in the here in the clinic in the kitchen that says, you know, the secret to having it all is believing that you do. And... Because I have a lot of friends 
that are multimillionaires who are, uh, they struggle with the same things we do. Absolutely. And that extra money, those extra things, uh, ability to travel, all those things, they still don't help you be in the moment. You can't buy that. No. You can't, you know, get someone to do that for you. That contentment and peace and being in the moment is only something you can do. And it comes through hard work. It comes through practice. It comes through, you know, when those feelings come on, oh, I'm doing it. I'm time traveling in my head. I'm going to, you know, no, I don't want to feel this way. Let it go. Let it go. Get back in the moment. Get back to your breath. You know, you don't have to take trauma from the past and bring it into the moment and make yourself suffer again. You've already done that. You've already suffered through that. Just fucking let it go. And then you don't need to go into the future and stress about all these things and take that and bring that into the moment and make things heavy and difficult right now too, because you want to be the the strongest and at peace you can so that when those times come, you can handle it in a strong way. So why on earth live through it for days leading up to that experience and then you're suffering suffering twice over yeah it's again that's whether we've learned that from parents or you know our media shows us that that's how you're supposed to act you know our whole generation was just bombarded with this is how to be a you know an anxiety monster (laughs) and just lived through that yeah yeah you know things are changing thank goodness you know and they're changing fast in media like you know prior to the pandemic i would maybe have one or two patients out of 10 that would be honest about their anxiety or depression now it's 7 out of 10 that are open and we'll talk about it and i hope it's only 70% that feel that way <laughs> of course i'm getting the people that are sick but at least it's nice to see that people are honest about it. But yeah, it's definitely, and well, again. In your field though, you can tell. Yeah. Oh, you'll know, you'll know there's some triggers there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This probably yeah. has some anxiety or some depression issues based on what you're seeing in your, yeah. in your testing and, and your analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was just thinking about the children and, or the child and the father situation yeah. as you were describing, or mother or anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was remembering, it just popped in my head about this little meme that I saw. And it's a guy sitting on a park bench with his dog. And there's two bubbles over, mm-hmm. one over each. Yeah. The guy's bubble has, I think, a big long list. There's a plane on there, a car. There's all this stuff going on. All this, like, what am I doing next kind of bubble. Like, busy, busy, busy. Yeah. The dog sees the dog and the guy sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, I want to be the dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just yeah. want to care about what's happening right then, right there. I'm happy. I'm with my people. I'm just yeah. in a beautiful Zen spot where I'm just kind of like, ah. Yeah. Animals teach us a lot, you know, because they're always in the moment. And especially dogs have pretty good, um, like, high level of forgiveness. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> and and they, they're excited to see everybody. Yeah. You know, if they're a balanced dog and they're not chained up all the time. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, you know, like my dog just wants to be everyone's friend, wants everyone to pet her and just wants to make everyone, you know, feel welcome. And I'm not that guy yet. 
but I always <laughs> see that and be like, okay, I want to be more like a dog. You want to be more like a dog or an animal because yeah. they don't carry around all this extra shit. And, you know, we evolved so quickly, you know, that we haven't really caught up to this. You know, our brains are so good, you know, like the higher function of brain and being able to do a task and then daydream and solve problems in our head while we're doing something. And, you know, that's a high scale functionality that we've adapted fairly recently in our long evolution. And we ha really haven't caught up to it. And, you know, it's that thing of like, how many of you have been driving a car and after about 10 or 15 kilometers, you're like, oh shit, I haven't been paying attention at all. But you're driving on a highway, making all these turns, doing all these things, and you are not there because you're in your higher head. You know, the Dubablo and God, a lower brain is doing all the driving, doing all that. And then you're off somewhere else in your mind palace thinking about something else. And that's an incredible gift because that's how we've evolved so quickly and we've been able to solve all these problems and create civilizations and, and all this. But at the same time, it's a curse because we get distracted so much to daydream and get off in our brain. And there's nothing wrong with daydreaming and things like that, but it's when we use our brain to cause our own suffering, you know, yeah. to suffer about the future and suffer about the past. Yeah. There's enough physical suffering in this world than us creating more suffering in our in our heads. Yeah. And that's just something that, again, you can't buy. No one can do it for you. You have to practice it. You have to learn. It. You have to get good at it. And meditation and breath work. These are just tools that help us to stay in the moment. But uh, it's this, that self-recognition every time your mind goes to that wrong place. Nope. I'm doing it again. I don't want to go there. Take a deep breath. I come back into my body. I'm in the moment. I'm okay. And you do have to do that again and again and again and again. <laughs> and we have to do it our whole lives. Because we, if we don't, we'll go right back into those old habits again. So it's not this, all of a sudden you're enlightened and it goes away. It's you're enlightened. You understand now. You're awake to it. And now you know you just have to keep doing the work to get glimpses of it again and again throughout your life and to just be as content as you can be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I want to play this to, for you. This is just a little thing um, from Alan Watts, okay. just about slowing down and enjoying life. Let's see if I have it connected here. Music as an art form. No, nope, I don't think I have it connected. Let me just check here. Sorry, everyone. There we go. Let's, let's see if we're still connected here on the Bluetooth. Oh, oh Bluetooth turned off. That's what happened. supposed to hear this too jerry yeah you will once i connect it it just disconnected on me okay. sorry everybody technical difficulties <laughs> i think i had it connected and then it disconnected Okay, let me see if I can get that work for everyone. Sorry, everybody. Very playful. We 
music. You hear it now? I don't hear nothing. I don't know if I'm even my speaker. Is essentially playful. We say you play the piano. You don't work the piano. I can hear it barely. Why? Music. Music as an art form is essentially playful. We say you play the piano. It's a hearing test. It's funny. I got it on mine. No problem. Why? Barely. Music. I play it through for the audience. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, they probably hear me more than they hear that. (laughs) Well, here's here's another option. Let's do this. Music as an art form is essentially playful. We say you play the piano. You don't work the piano. Music differs from, say, travel. When you travel, you are trying to get somewhere. And of course, we, because being a very compulsive and purposive culture, are busy getting everywhere faster and faster and faster till we eliminate the distance between places. I mean, with the modern jet travel, you can arrive almost instantaneously. And what happens as a result of that is that the two ends of your journey become the same place so you eliminate the distance and you eliminate the journey because the fun of the journey is to travel not to obliterate travel so then in music though one doesn't make the end of a composition the point of the composition of the composition if that was so, the best conductors would be those who played fastest. <laughs> and there would be composers who wrote only finales. <laughs> People go to concert just to hear one crashing chord, because that's the end. <laughs> Same way in dancing. You don't aim at a particular spot in the room. That's where you should arrive. The whole point of the dancing is the dance. Look at the people who live to retire and put those savings away. And then when they're 65, they don't have any energy left, they're more or less impotent, and uh, they go with robbing an old people's senior citizens' community. (laughs) Because we simply cheated ourselves the whole way down the line. We thought of life by analogy with the journey the pilgrimage, which had a serious purpose at the end, but the thing was to get to that end, success or whatever it is, or maybe heaven after you're dead. But we missed the point the whole way along. It was a musical thing, and you were supposed to sing or to dance while the music was being played. So that's a really old recording (laughs) of Alan Watts, so it's not particularly clear. But I'll review it, and it's about the, you know, that he talks about travel and how, you know, we've created, we've shortened travel so much with planes, everything, that, you know, it's this instant thing. We're there, and so we're not experiencing that journey in the same way. And so he tries to, and then he starts comparing life to music, that, you know, if it were all about the destination and about reaching the end, you know, all the best conductors would play as fast as they possibly could. 
mm-hmm. or it would just be that last crescendo that people want to listen to, you know, but it's not. We want to experience it and feel it and listen to it and have it move us and everything. And when we are focused too much on heaven or, you know, the success we're looking for, the the raise or the job title or the house or whatever, when we focus too much on the achievement and the end, then we don't enjoy the journey. And right now, too many of us aren't enjoying that journey. And, you know, he says it's, it, you know, it's like music, it's like dance. You know, when you're dancing, you're not trying to get to a specific place in the dance. You know, <laughs> there's no, it's just enjoying the music, enjoying the dance and moving around and experiencing it. And to me, and, and I think we've shared this, you know, in the tribe before is that, you know, if there is a purpose to life, it's to experience it. And that's the only thing we have to worry about. Yes. There's not a particular way or mode of living life. There's not a level of achievement or whatever. And I think it's that we've gotten away from experiencing life that now we don't care about the quality of life. We only care about you know, uh, the economy. <laughs> we don't care about people. We care about the economy. You know, like during COVID, you know, a lot of us were not caring too much about people's lives. It was more, well, we got to keep the economy going, you know, or, you know, these, uh, uh, I saw some people in the news willing to sacrifice their grandparents to keep the economy going for the for their children, wow. you know, like this. It doesn't matter, you know, because it's in this whole idea that we need to keep humanity going. We need to get them off this planet because we're going to destroy it. So we've got to go to Mars or other things. It's just like, okay, can we just stop and realize that we haven't destroyed everything yet? And maybe if we all focused on making life better for everyone, you know, like the economy is always the answer on why we can't make changes. And yes, I know it's terribly complicated and it's going to be messy making changes and and making the focus instead of on GDP, instead of gross domestic product, why don't we focus on gross domestic happiness? Love you that. know, because our measurements on how, because the measurement we use globally for how successful a country is, is GDP, which is totally messed up because all the negative things, like all the money we throw into military, into police forces, all the money into natural disasters and, you know, uh, break-ins, all of this, all the negative things that we see, you know, in our system and in, you know, humanity, that money adds to GDP. So all these people that make money off disasters and pandemics and all of this, you know, they are a big part of the economy and they make it grow. And we don't want to invest in ourselves because we're too busy making profit for investors. And that's the thing that terrifies me about the path we're on. I do think it's going to change. I don't know if we're going to change because we want to or if we're forced to. And whatever comes, I don't know. I'm not a prophet and I don't think we necessarily get (laughs) guidance from that. Because there's no particular perfect plan. 
So we're not going to get any guidance on how that plan works out. But I do think nature sends us signals and our spirit sends us signals when we're imbalanced. And internally in our bodies, we don't feel at peace. We feel you know, stuck in emotion. We feel ill. We feel all these things that take us away from the moment and from peace. Anything that create, when we create that suffering, that's when we're imbalanced and that signal is telling us to make change in our own lives. You've experienced, you've described it that way in your past. I felt that way. And in the environment, we're getting a lot of signals right now mm-hmm. that things are imbalanced. Mm-hmm. And we recognize that and we know the steps we need to take to return to that balance. And, you know, even when I'm speaking to people that don't believe that humans cause climate change, you know, still 75% of Americans even believe in climate change. Only 56% think humans are causing the change. So majority of people do believe things are changing. Mm -hmm. And whether you think we're the cause or not, it's going to change. So why don't we make changes to make life better for everyone? Why don't we make, you know, go to the complete opposite end and make our lives and our worlds in balance with nature so that we don't have these problems so that everyone does feel a little more connected and at peace and happy because you know uh i'm sorry but capitalism is not the path (laughs) to happiness we've shown it and even and everyone i think the reason no one wants to kind of give up on it is for that reason that everyone thinks that someday they could be that millionaire or they could be that billionaire and they don't want just in case, just in case. I'm sorry, but it's not going to, you're not going to be a billionaire, <laughs> especially now, <laughs> you know, and I tell you, those people aren't particularly happy either. Yeah, no. And you're right. They face the same crap. No matter how much money you make, you face the same emotional struggles, the same time traveling struggles the suffering the domestication you suffer from it no matter what your role is or what money you have in the bank account um you know as you uh were talking i was thinking about um a couple things about um you mentioned the matrix earlier Mm -hmm. and i remember near the end of the first movie matrix um they had uh oh i forget what is neo was uh Neil was, um, what's his face? But, um, oh, what was the name of Lawrence Fishburne's character? Oh, yeah. Um, Morpheus. Morpheus. And, yeah. and, the, and the computer programs had them all locked up, and they were torturing him to get Neo's, yeah. Neo's location and everything. And before Neo came and saved him, um, the computer program said a very profound thing that I remember to this day and said, um, the only virus on this planet is human. Yeah. And, and it's what you said earlier, we, we're brought to think to consume and we just consume and we eat and destroy this planet. And, and I watch it all the time, you know, and it brings me back to even this, another little goofy meme that sticks in my head about, there's a picture of this beautiful forest with this little sort of secondary road going through it. Not a lot of damage to the forest, like the, the road in the forest is right there. So it's not like they clear cut the whole forest or anything. And there's a deer standing on, on the road. And at the top of the meme, it says the deer is, is crossing the road. Or then at the bottom of the meme, it says, or is the road crossing the forest? You know, and, and when you put things in that second perspective and you start thinking about, wait a second here, we sit here and we 
devour this planet piece by piece mm-hmm. by piece. Um, even I watch in our own hometown here in Okotoks and I look at, you know, we're building new developments and, and I drive by these new developments on the way home from work. And I think to myself, who's moving into all these new houses all the time? You know, what, what's, what's happening? <laughs> how many, how many more people can we sustain on this planet? I mean, you can't tell somebody not to have a family. I get that. Um, but if we're not conscious about what we're doing and we don't start doing what you said is whether we're forced into it or we, we lovingly look at it and actually mm-hmm. do make a change as, as a race, um, there's not going to be a world for these children to grow up in. Yeah. I'm sorry to say it. It just, we're, we're going to poison all the water. There's this, um, not so old, but, but, um, uh, I read it to be from a Cree elder and he, uh, I probably won't quote it exactly, but he says in this little saying that when all the rivers are polluted and all the trees are cut down and all the animals are dead and all the, you know, everything's gone, then we'll realize that we cannot eat money. Yeah. You know, and when you read that and you like, you know, that's a good point. Like, I could be a billionaire and if there's no bees to pollinate the, the, you know, the flowers that you know grow vegetables, if there's no animals, you know, if you're, if you like meat or whatever your stories are, mm-hmm. but you know, at the end of the day, what am I eating? There's no, there's no healthy water without water. We die very mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. We're, we're made up of water, a big percentage of us, you know? And, and again, thinking back to, uh, to what you're saying about science sort of catching up to some of these thoughts, you know, I've been attending your clinic on and off for a few years. And, you know, I know you're tell when I first met you, you were explaining to me about your, your AccuGraph machine and how that works and how science is now has this really cool technology where what, you know, ancient, ancient, but mm-hmm. older civilizations have been telling us is happening in our body for many, many, many years, like hundreds or thousands of years. And meanwhile, now science has finally realized that, you know what, this stuff is real. So we're going to build equipment that is going to help us, you know, diagnose and to work with these, you know, the fascia systems and all mm-hmm. these things that, that you work through. And I know there's a lot more to it. I'm, I don't know your, your trade that well, but, um, you know, and, and coming back to the documentary, I, I watched about sensitive people, you know, they're, they're calling them highly sensitive people and they're identifying as HSPs. Okay. And there's this one woman that speaks and, and she says, yeah, for, for a long time, like I live in LA, she was saying, and I can't even, I couldn't even leave my house because every time I left my house, I would feel literally the emotions, pain and everything of 8 million people. I couldn't even get down my sidewalk. I had to go back inside and kind of hide out. Mm-hmm. I, and she had to teach herself and come to some awareness about how to control that energy a little bit. Yeah, And and, you know, in, in sort of more of a universal spiritual path, um, one would say that that's a very empathic person, like a, a true empath that's really feeling all that energy like that, which is what a lot of the H- HSPs. But I find it kind of entertaining that science, although there's a lot of written information about these people, science is creating their own studies and calling it highly sensitive people. But when I watched the video, I was going, oh, they're, they're empaths. Yeah. You know, well, they, they have some tele telekinesis yeah. or clair clair powers about mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um, but science isn't quite there yet. Yeah. But they're starting to see that there's more to it now. Like the HeartMath Institute's a great example where um they their their language is basically you have a miniature brain within your heart. 
and you can control that brain to a certain, like you can throw that brain love. And then when you do that, you'll generate an aura that comes out of you up to like six feet or 12 feet or something. I can't remember all the math, mm-hmm. but, um, and you can affect the mood of a room. And I've tried that in meetings yeah. and it actually works. I've, I've actually brought down my whole team. They had no idea what was going on. I started thinking about the dog that we had years ago and he was my favorite little puppy and my little buddy. And he used to bring me so much joy. And I just think about him and I concentrate on my heart and I just do some not special breathing, but some controlled breathing. And I just focus on that feeling for a few minutes. And all of a sudden everybody starts just kind of settling mm-hmm. and chilling. Yeah. I wouldn't have believed it had I not done it, but it actually worked. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Like we have, we have energy coming out of us that science is just beginning to understand. Mm -hmm. And maybe as they understand, we'll start realizing that we can come into these present moments, you know, coming back to that conversation. But it's it's interesting because, you know, I, again, back to that idea of the matrix that we are a virus, but really, you know, for i don't know we've been on this planet for (laughs) evolving at one point or another for millions of years it's only say in the last 10 12 000 years that we have created civilizations that are out of balance with nature and that you know and that's a very short period of time for how long we've existed right and Again, if you think that we're not separate from the planet, that we are just, you know, another cell, you know, part of the planet, um, you know, we're more like a cancer (laughs) in that our current behavior, you know, we are good. At one point we were good cells and we lived within balance within the planet and, you know, we're stewards and we're part of it and, and everything. And we didn't take advantage of it, but there was a point where things changed and we started, instead of responding as healthy cells, we started responding as cancer cells. And we've grown and we've pushed that destruction through things. And, you know, just like with uh, cancer treatment of the body, you don't kill the whole body. <laughs> you focus on the cells that are imbalanced and you, you know, try to, uh, you know, kill off those cells. And I'm not saying go out and kill people that are harmful to the planet, but what I'm saying is, that when we focus on trying to get back to that balance, we can change from a, you know, a cancerous cell to a healthy cell. And the sensitive people, these feelings, these connections that people are having, these are normal and natural. Yeah. That when we're in that state, we feel that. And I do think it's not just certain special individuals that you know can connect with this. I think all of us can. When we ignore it, uh, that causes anxiety and depression. When we embrace that and embrace the moment and just connect and experience, because part of it is there's just too much information out there. So our brains cannot handle all this information, all this expectation of all these things we have to do to save the planet and fix things. And we have very little power, but the only thing that we have power over is our response. And the best thing we can do is to just focus on being in the moment and being contented and express and feel love. All those external things, you know, if, yeah, if you have the energy to go and be political and to, you know, help your neighbors and create community, great, all those things. Absolutely. But we don't, uh, 
you know, stressing and thinking of all these things and all the problems. And that's what's happening with the younger generation. You know, all these kids in high school now and university in that range, they see this dark, bleak world and they get a little nihilistic or defeatist. And they're like, what's the purpose? I'm not going to be able to get that dream that my parents had or my grandparents had. This system is toxic and breaking down. And they see this. The majority of kids were, none of us saw this when we were in school. We thought this was the way things were supposed to be and it was all good. They're recognizing the imbalance in the world and it scares them and it's shutting them down. And I hope that, you know, we look at it as, well, yes, we're on the wrong path, but we have no control over where it's going. We'll do our best. We'll accept the outcome and we'll do our best to heal whenever that comes. Because even if the chaos comes, we need people that know how to live right. So when that time comes, we rebuild it in the right way. And so in the meantime, just be in the moment, just experience life as the best you can and have those range of emotions. You know, you can be sad. You can be a little worried and fearful. Just don't stay in it for very long. Let it go and get back into the moment and find those things that bring us joy and connect with others and all those things. Because that's the only thing that can bring us peace and power in this moment. And well, all those other things, we have no power. And when you go to those places of joy and, and happiness and contentment, and, and you know, we're, we're, you know, maybe not so much joy all the time, like, you know, um, like Dr. Jared has taught me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but when you go to these places where you're content and you're grateful and, and you're really living in that moment, um, you as a person... Um, you know, whether or not the listeners want to hear or believe this, but we as people actually, we kind of vibrate a little higher. Our mm-hmm. light is a little brighter. Yeah. And that has an effect on people. Same as if you walk in a room and you're in a shitty mood and you're just down and glum and look angry. Yeah. You have an effect on people and they're like, well, I don't want to talk to that person. Like he sees in a bad mood today. Yeah. You know, but if you show up and you, and you have a smile in your voice and a smile in your heart, all of a sudden everybody's mood starts changing too. Yeah, And the more that we smile and the more that we do this, the more that we're going to have that awareness towards the rest of us, the people that aren't aware, the people that, that are, are choosing to ignore whatever, whatever mm-hmm. they're going through. I mean, yeah. I, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I know for a lot of years it was for me, I was ignoring it. Yeah. And I was getting louder and louder and louder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And finally something happened, something yeah. switched uh, without getting into that whole story. And and, you know, coming into that that moment, there's so many easy ways, like leaving the woo-woo and the spiritual side out of it. Like yeah. not even talking about the universe or anything. Just talking about here's an average ordinary person living their lives. And, you know, when I started my meditation course, one of the daily practices, and I still do it all the time, is it's it's a very simple Zen practice. So every morning I get in the shower and it's literally you get in the shower and, you know, you kind of... You just focus on on the feeling of the water. You focus on the smell of the of the soap, of mm-hmm. the shampoo, or or whatever, and you just take in that moment of of the smell of the of the sound of the of the water splashing off off you know the side of the shower or off your back or whatever, and 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 don't you know you're not thinking about. I got to go check my email or I, I got to, you know, oh, what, what shirt am I going to wear today? Or, you know, what am I going to have for breakfast? Or, oh yeah, I got to refill the coffee maker or whatever crazy list you have going on in your head. Mm-hmm. You just focus on that moment of yeah. a shower. 
Yeah. That's how simple a Zen moment can be. Yeah. And when you practice that a lot, like on a daily basis, not so much in time, you know, quantity, but on a daily basis at the same time, every day, you start being able to draw on that moment when you take in that deep breath, like you mm-hmm. were describing earlier, when yeah. you're getting a little bit hyper. Yeah. Um, and as you as you strengthen your practice and you start working more into it and you start saying, okay, but how can I deal with these these you know recurring issues? I got a shitty boss or or these meetings that I have to have or or yeah. whatever your your story is again. And and there's there's a lot of value in in even starting a very simple journal around stress management where you start writing down the things that stress you out. Like, oh, before I have to give that report, this happens. Like yeah. I start getting, you know, a tense neck or, you know, I start getting my heartbeat goes up or I feel anxious. And as you start recognizing that those are your triggers for stress that are taking yeah. you out of your present moment. Yeah you can start applying more Zen practices towards yeah. those before you go. And no, you can't necessarily avoid the meeting that mm. at work. Yeah. You can't necessarily avoid that conversation. You don't want to have once a month, but you can better prepare yourself so that you don't go in high strung yeah. and, and all anxious and probably come out feeling a lot better than you did, you know, a month or three months or whatever ago. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a practice, but it's a practice well worth it because you will just be a much more grounded, balanced person. As you said, that balance is, is key. Yeah. You're using those signals, those anxiety signals, rather than as a, you know, inevitability that you're going to feel this way and we're going to go into those feelings. You can use them as a signal of, oh, I'm doing it again. That's my brain trying to take me out of the moment. My brain trying to cause suffering. I choose not to suffer. And then you can take those signals as a way to get back in the moment, take that breath, get back there rather than letting it just run off. And, you know, it's just that conditioning from our brain. It's just there from how we've been taught or what we've experienced or what we've always done. And until you break that conditioning, until you, you know, undomesticate yourself from <laughs> the expectation of the world and choose to live, you know, in the moment and practices like you just described to slow things down and, you know, get you there, you know, you'll get it in it. But the thing is, is it's, that's it. That's the secret. Yeah. You know, it's not imagining it happening in your head. It's doing it every moment to change you. And, you know, a lot of people love the secret, but I do think it was a distraction away from how actually how to find peace. You know, it's an obsession over achieving things rather than just being grateful for what we have. Yes. But it's, you know, take that focus and rather than focusing on the future and the things you want, take that focus into the moment and just be there and be with it and be grateful for it. Because, you know, there's going to be some bad luck. You're not going to, maybe you're not going to have a lot of money or you're not going to have, you know, the opportunities of others, but wherever you are, in that moment, you have a choice on how you're going to feel and how you're going to respond to the world and what kind of peace you want. And, you know, um, have you read Man's Search for Meaning? No. Uh, Victor Frankel. So he was a student of uh, Freud and was working on his, um, you know, book and PhD and all of that during World War II. He was a Jew. And I showed up and took him and his wife and 
separated them once they got to the camps. And he smuggled in his manuscript. <laughs> it's the only thing he was able to hold on to. And he never saw his wife again. But in the camps, because he could speak German and he was, um, you know, uh, very literate and everything, they always had hiring jobs for him to do. And so he would volunteer for it. He was always very kind and, you know, supported those around him. And he learned very quickly that even though they'd taken everything from him, they took his name. They took his clothing, they took his title, they took his job, they took his wife, they took everything. But he realized that the only thing they couldn't take was how he responded to everything. He could choose to respond peacefully and kindly, no matter what. And because of that, it saved him from getting sent on the wrong train many times while he was uh, in the camps. And... uh he remembers another fellow that he was with who uh, was practicing these techniques with him and was learning with him and they were doing this and, um, and his, uh, the fellow that he'd been working with had a vision that on this particular day, the allies were going to come and free them and save them. And so he had lived through all this torture for, you know, over a year or so, this gentleman, and he had his heart set on this particular day. And that day came and went. And when they weren't saved, he lost all hope. And he's like, it's never going to happen now. You know, he was so convinced with this date that this is when it was going to happen. And within three or four days of that day, he just gave up and died. Wow. Two days after the allies showed up. Wow. And so, you know, Victor is just saying in here that it's that mindset has so much power over our health and getting us through all this difficulty because there's there's the physical suffering he went through of not having enough food and you know the whole situation right but the mental suffering he had a choice over and so we're in a world that is pretty effed up right now but there's still a lot of beauty in it absolutely and we can choose how we respond to this world how we treat others, how we live in it, how we go through it. Yeah. That even though we may feel we're surrounded by our torturers, you know, we still can choose. And it's a very short little book. It's a beautiful read, but it really changes. It really shows a very practical application of these concepts. You know, because can you think of a situation any worse? <laughs> and he came out of that experience. He's, you know, saved his book, was able to pub- you know, put these experiences into it. In his, in the, how he approached things, and of course that book has been lauded and read millions of times through the years since. Mm-hmm. But it just, you know, it's not this uh, particular mysterious thing. You know, we as a species we always want new, we always want to grow, we always want more, more, more. And you see that if you watch any of those, you know, uh, self help, you know. YouTube channels or videos or gurus out there, they're always having to present new, new, new stuff to stay relevant, to stay famous, to have people pay attention to them. But it's not what it's about. It's very simple stuff. And I do like Eckhart Tolle. And, you know, he doesn't have to keep himself, you know, he's not like Deepak Chopra trying to you know, <laughs> keep himself relevant and keep himself out there to feel, 
you know, uh, appreciated and important and all that stuff doesn't matter. It's, it's the simple thing. It, practicing it again and again and again is going to get you that peace. And we want to find the new thing where the, the new answer, the new technique, the new tool, the new thing, but it just goes down to that same thing again and again and again that, uh, you know, it's not a mystery. We know the path to peace and it's a practice. And if you want to get there, you got to get good at practicing at it. And there'll be ups and downs. There'll be difficulties, but it's always there to fall back on Absolutely. when things get out of hand. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I think we've talked long enough. <laughs> All right. Very good. But I do think it's been a good, you know, touch on that idea. I think when you when we get to the group, um, those of you that uh, have taken the time to listen to this and <clears throat> hopefully take your questions and any comments you have to the group next time. And we'll kind of touch on this. And uh, uh, Todd and I will provide some techniques and tools to help us to kind of really slow down and get into that moment. And we'll uh, teach you some Zen techniques, like his shower stuff and things like that. Absolutely. To slow you down because that's, that's it. You know, it's just getting into that. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, myself with my practice, you know, I'll see 15 to 20 patients a day. And, you know, again, and I think everyone would say the same thing when you really focus on what you're doing and really get into the moment and really focus on the people, time goes really fast. When we are distracted and thinking about that list or the things we want to do after work or whatever, it just goes on forever. And you suffer more and it's more difficult and more draining. But when you're in that moment and you're really focused and you're really doing it with with anything, it's just, it's a different world. And, you know, other than just pounding out this again and again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and when you're distracted, you're more likely to make mistakes and all the other things, which is just going to um, compensate your, uh, your suffering even more so. Yeah. True. Excellent. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We're going to uh, follow this up uh, after each class, kind of review what we've been talking about, what we'll talk about next time, and um, just kind of get into some stuff that we wouldn't have time to share uh, in each group. So hopefully uh, a few of you get to hear this. And um, again, questions, comments, we're open to it. You can email them to us after listening to this or uh, at the next group, and we'll continue to uh, fine-tune our experiences. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, and uh, have a great night. Anything you'd like to share before we... No, thank you. Have a great night as well. I agree. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, all those that join us, and um, we'll see you at the next tribe meeting. (laughs) 